21. <clears throat> John chapter 21, and uh, we kind of did a countdown to uh, Passover to the crucifixion, and we're going to kind of go from there, and uh, I'm going to do a series over the next few weeks that will kind of take us to Pentecost. And um, though we're not going to specifically talk about um, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit tonight, we're going to kind of to go from the resurrection to that point to where uh, God poured out His Spirit. There's a lot of misunderstanding, I believe. There's a lot of uh, erroneous doctrines that are taught about the Holy Spirit. It's one of the most, as far as the church goes, it's one of the most divisive subjects, and it should not be. Um, but it is, unfortunately. So that's kind of going to be our journey the next few weeks. <clears throat> But tonight, to begin that, we're going to be in John chapter 21. And uh, what I'm going to do is, um, tonight we're going to look at John chapter 21, which presents to us the closing account in John's gospel of, of Jesus appearing to his disciples. And uh, you'll see that in the other gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, which commonly have what we call in them the Great Commission, or uh, right at the end of the Gospels, it has what we call the, the Great Commission. Uh, it's a little bit different in John's Gospel, but not really. In John's Gospel here ends with the interaction between Jesus and seven of his disciples. Uh, and most specifically, the interaction between Jesus and Peter is really what's highlighted here in John chapter 21. So open your Bible to John 21. Let's begin in the first verse, and we'll just, we're going to go through this chapter and uh, kind of look at it in depth. John 21 says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to, to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, that's also the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself, <clears throat> Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and then two other unnamed disciples were together. There were seven in total. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we're going to go with you. And they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now this isn't the first time this is recorded in the scripture. You'll see at the end of Luke's gospel in Luke chapter 24, the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus walked with Jesus and did not know it was Jesus until they sat down at the end and Jesus said the blessing and broke the bread and the scripture says their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. So there was something about Jesus that, was different in his physical appearance. He did not look like the earthly Jesus they had known. And so, <clears throat> they're out there in the boat, and Jesus is on the shore, but they don't know it's Jesus. Verse 5, Jesus says to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast 
And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Now this wasn't the first time this had happened either. Either, In Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 7, you see the account of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. Let's just turn over there real quick. Luke chapter 5. And it's significant because we're going to see some things um, in John chapter 21 that are, that are very familiar to the disciples. Now remember, they don't know this is Jesus. And so there's some man on the shore who's just asked them if they have any food and they said no. And in response to their no, he says, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Now in Luke chapter 5, it says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from there, and they were washing their nets. And so he's talking to the multitude, and the multitude is pressing in on him so much that he tells Simon Peter, he says, Hey, let me get in your boat, push your boat out. And he's sitting in the boat, and he's addressing the multitude's from the boat. And after he finishes addressing the multitudes, he tells Simon Peter, he says, cast your boat out, launch it out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon says, we fished all night long and haven't caught anything, but nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they did that, the scripture says they caught a catch so great, they started putting in the boats. He called for his partners. They brought their boat, that was James and John, and they filled both boats up, and both boats were, were sinking. They had so many fish in them. This was at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And now we're at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's not yet ascended, but he's getting ready to ascend. And where is Peter, James, and John, and, and, and the other disciples? They're fishing. Now, what's interesting about this scripture in Luke, if you'll notice, and I didn't go all the way there, but, but after this incident, and they bring their, they, they, they catch all of these fish, in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So also were James and John. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And it says, So they brought in their boats to the land, and they forsook all and followed Jesus. So what was Jesus' word to Simon Peter and these disciples, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. They brought their boats in, they forsook everything, and they followed Jesus. But now, after the resurrection of Jesus, here is Simon, and what's he gone back to? He's gone back to fishing. Jesus is on the shore, and they don't know it's Jesus. Cast out your nets, they cast them out, and they caught such a multitude of fish that they were not able to draw the nets in because they were so heavy. 
Verse 7, John chapter 21. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the author of this gospel, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Now in Jewish culture, removing your outer garment, you would have been considered naked. When, when the scripture says David danced naked before the Lord, it doesn't literally mean he had no clothes on. Some people erroneously believe that. It means that he had taken his outer garment on and he was, in essence, dancing in his underwear. It's kind of what it means. Peter was in the boat and he was in his underwear, we might say. And when he realized it was Jesus, he didn't care if it was some unknown person, but when he realized it was Jesus, what did he do? He put his outer garment back on because he had taken it off. And that is reminiscent of what? It's reminiscent of man's need, man's compulsion to try and cover his sinfulness. And that's exactly what Peter did. And he jumps in the sea. He swims to the shore. The other disciples bring the boat. And they're dragging the fish in the nets. In verse 9, it says, Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Now, remember, what was the question Jesus had of the disciples as they were out on the sea in the boat? Children, do you have any food and they said no but when they get to shore what do they find they find a, a fire with coals and bread and fish all laid out the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he prepares a table before me before i get there he has a table prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. Before they got to shore, Jesus had a table prepared for his disciples. And they come to the shore. There is the fire of coals, the fish, the bread. In verse 10, very interesting, Jesus says to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Why? He didn't need the fish to cook. He'd already cooked the fish. He already had a meal prepared for him. But he says, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, every verse here is a message in and of itself. But we don't have time to look at every verse as a message in and of itself. But when you read the scripture, you can take a verse, a chapter like this, and I'm telling you there is a, there is a message in everything that the scripture has communicated here. And so they bring this net of, of fish, and Jesus says, bring, bring some of the fish. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples, look at this, yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Now do you understand what the scripture just communicated? 
no one recognized Jesus. In the flesh, physically, there was nothing about this man that says this is Jesus. But yet, they all knew it was Jesus. And do you see that everything that Jesus did, what he told them to do, how he told them to do it, communicated exactly, cast your nets on the boat and you'll catch. They, they were immediately taken back to the first day that Jesus got into Peter's boat and launched out. And Jesus said on that first day that he got into Peter's boat, go out into the deep and drop your nets and you'll catch a catch. And he says, Lord, we fished all night. But nevertheless, it's your word, I'll do it. And when Jesus told them, let your nets down, they were immediately taken back. And it was John who said, Peter, it's Jesus. Do you remember that day three and a half years ago when he told us to let our nets down? I don't recognize that man on the shore in the flesh, but his words, are you hearing me, church? His words reveal who he is. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, from now on, we know no man. Listen to me, church. We know no man according to the flesh. Though we have known Jesus according to the flesh, yet we know him no longer according to the flesh. Right here, they looked at this man and there was nothing in the flesh that said this man was Jesus. But everything about him, namely, chiefly, the word that he spoke revealed his true identity. See, if you're looking for God in the flesh, if you're trying to experience God in the flesh, if you're trying to know God through the flesh, through your carnal nature, you'll never know him that way. He'll never be revealed that way. There is a reason why after the resurrection, Jesus never appeared in that earthly, fleshly form that he appeared in before. There is no account in scripture when he appears to his disciples that reveals or tells us that Jesus looked the same in any way, shape, or form than he did prior to his resurrection. As a matter of fact, anytime it's mentioned, it it reveals to us that Jesus did not look the same, and the only way they knew him was by his words. Even those two on the road to Emmaus, did our hearts not burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us, but it was when he took the bread and broke it, just as he did that night of the Passover. When he said the blessing over the bread, their eyes were open. And this man in the flesh that was not the Jesus they knew, they understood this was the resurrected Lord. Now why would Jesus do that? Because Jesus is sending a clear message to them and he's sending a clear message to us. If we are trying to find God in flesh and blood, we're not going to find him. If we're trying to see Jesus in that way that we understand and recognize through the flesh, through the carnal nature, we're not going to find him that way. But if his words abide in us, and if we abide in his word, he will be revealed. How? By his word. 
we don't know him any longer by the flesh. And they were so astonished, and they were all asking in their minds, Who are you? Yet they knew the whole time that it was the Lord. Jesus was telling them, Don't trust your carnal sight. Don't trust your carnal vision. Trust what? Trust your spirit. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. See, if you trust, if you put your trust in the things that you can see, if you live your life based on what you can see with your carnal sight and your carnal vision, you will be deceived. But if you will live your life, if you walk by faith and be blind to that which you can see in the natural and not let the natural dictate what is truly reality, that being the spiritual, the spirit, that which is of faith, that's how we're to walk. By faith, not by sight. Who are you knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. Likewise the fish, just like he did in John 6 when he fed the 5,000. Everything Jesus is doing is communicating to them through his actions, I am Jesus. Just like he took the fish in John chapter 6. Just like he took the bread in John chapter 6. And he gave it to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the multitudes. He, t- he comes in like manner and he gives to them the fish and, to the, bre- and the bread. This is now the third time, it says, Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I believe that these are the fish that he had Peter bring from the net. Because what was it that Jesus told him back in Luke chapter 5, three and a half years prior to this? Do not be afraid No longer will you catch fish, but from now on you will catch men. Why was Peter fishing for fish here post-resurrection? Because he was afraid. Why was Peter held up and hid out so afraid that he wouldn't even answer the door When the women were knocking, saying, He is risen, He is risen, because He was afraid. Why did He deny Jesus three times on that night? Because He was afraid. And so, here is Peter, and Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, this word, in your Bible, it says love. But in Greek, in the Greek language, there's three words, three primary words for love. Eros, which is, has a, a sexual or a physical connotation. It's what our culture knows and, and defines as love that is not the love that God loves us with. There's another word, phileo. It's where our word Philadelphia, our city, city of brotherly love. That's why it's called the city of brotherly love. 
That word, there, and the other word is agape. There's two words that Jesus uses in these passages. It's agape and phileo. Agape means commitment. It's a love that speaks of commitment. Whenever the scripture talks of God's love for us, it always uses the word agape. It always speaks of God's committed, unfailing love for us. God's love for man is never expressed in eros or phileo. It's never expressed in any other way except a love that is unfailing, unchanging, eternal. Church, that's the nature of God's love for us. It is without fail. It is unconditional. It is unfailing. The other word used here is this word phileo. In your Bible, it's all love. But it's important that we understand the distinction because Jesus is asking Peter something very specific. And Peter answers. Peter spoke Greek. Peter understood the question Jesus asked and he understood the answer he was able or we might say that he was unable to give. Simon, son of John, do you... Agape, do you love me with an unfailing commitment? Now, what do you think Peter's going to say? Just a few days prior to that, he denied him three times. Denied that he even knew Jesus. And what was it that Peter said before? He said, Jesus, I'll die with you. He said, Peter, Jesus says, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Never, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll go to the death with you. But before the cock crowed, Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter had shown that his love was not unfailing. It was very failing. And so Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me with an unfailing commitment? And Peter says, yes, Lord, You know that I love you, not agape, but phileo. That word means affection. Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Did Peter love Jesus? Absolutely. Did Peter understand what Jesus was asking him? Yes. But Peter could not honestly say that his love for Jesus was without fail because he had, in his mind, had just failed Jesus. He did exactly what he promised Jesus he would not do. And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. That word feed speaks of a a shepherd who takes his sheep out and he puts them in a pasture full of green grass and, and he feeds them. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me with an unfailing love and commitment? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. And Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. A different word there. Lead my sheep. Rule over my sheep. Take care of my sheep as a shepherd does his flock. 
don't just, in other words, it's not just putting them out there to pasture, letting them have grass, but Peter, I'm telling you to, to look over them, watch over them, tend them, guard them, lead them, make sure that they are taken care of, tend my sheep. And Peter was grieved, and, 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 and so he says a third time, verse 17. He says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now this time, Jesus changes the word. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you have great affection for me? He doesn't use the same word as he used the twice before. And it says, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you not agape me, but do you phileo me? Peter wasn't grieved because Jesus had asked three times, Peter was grieved because he could not express the same kind of love to Jesus that Jesus had demonstrated to Peter. And Jesus understood Peter's inability to love him in that way. And so Jesus, the third time, says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you have great affection for me? And Peter was grieved, I believe, because Peter could not express the same kind of love for Jesus that Jesus had for Peter. But here's the thing, church. Jesus did not expect Peter to be able to love him in that way. You know why? Because I believe it was impossible for Peter to love Jesus the same way Jesus loved Peter. Because Peter was a man with a fallen nature in need of a Savior. The Holy Spirit had not come yet. The Spirit was not living inside of Peter as of yet. And the kind of love that, that Jesus was seemingly demanding of Peter, do you agape me, Peter, was a kind of love that Peter was unable to give to Jesus. And you know why Jesus, you know why I believe Peter did not just say, yes, Jesus, I agape you. Because Peter had already lied to Jesus once. Not on purpose. Do you understand? Peter's intentions were the very best when he said, Lord, I'll never deny you. And yet Jesus knew. He knew not only that Peter would deny him, he knew exactly when and how it would happen. And he said, this is how it's going to happen, Peter. You will deny me three times tonight. And Peter didn't believe it until Peter heard the cock crow. And he realized that he had denied Jesus three times. Now here is Jesus back with Peter after the resurrection. And Peter is causing, he is making, Jesus is making Peter respond to him three times. I believe that Jesus demanded an affirmation of love from Peter to counter every denial. Three affirmations of love to counter the three denials that Peter denied Jesus with. But this wasn't penance. This wasn't Jesus making Peter do penance. This was Jesus bringing healing to Peter. Because Peter was so demoralized. He was so discouraged because of his denial of Jesus. 
And Jesus understood where Peter was. And Jesus came right to where Peter was. Jesus could have said, you know, I told those guys they wouldn't go fishing anymore. I told them they wouldn't be fishermen anymore. They were going to be fishers of men. I told them not to be fearful, but look at them. They're all running scared. That's not, that wasn't Jesus' attitude towards his disciples. Jesus went right to where they were. He met them right where they were. He says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know I have great affection for you, but I cannot in all honestly say that my love for you is unfailing because you know that I have failed you. You, of all people, Jesus, know how I have failed you. I cannot tell you that I have unfailing love for you. And what was the response of Jesus? Feed my sheep. Why? Why did Jesus tell Peter to feed his sheep? Because Jesus wanted Peter to know that what the plan and the purpose that he had for Peter was not dependent upon Peter, but it was dependent upon God. It wasn't going to be Peter's willingness or ability to, to gut it up and love him through thick and thin. It was going to be the grace of God that would cause Peter to be able to walk out and fulfill what God had ordained for him before time began. And even though Peter could not respond, Lord, I love you with an unfailing love, Jesus didn't miss a beat. He said, feed my sheep. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. The call that God had on Peter's life was not revocable. God was not going to revoke the call on Peter's life because Peter had denied him three times. And Jesus was affirming this with Peter. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know I have great affection for you. Feed my sheep, Peter. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, you know I have great affection for you. Tend my sheep, Peter. And the last time, Peter, do you have great affection for me? And the scripture says Peter was grieved. And it was grieved because Jesus, because Peter understood that Jesus understood that Peter could not love Jesus in the same way that Jesus loved Peter. But what Jesus was telling him was, Peter, it's okay. You can't love me that way because it's not possible, it's not humanly possible for you to love me with that kind of love. I just want you to know that I love you and I want you to know that I have called you to feed my sheep. The call that I placed on your life, Peter, has not been revoked because of your three denials. Jesus knew exactly how Peter loved him. And Peter knew that Jesus knew. This is why Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I have great affection for you. Feed my sheep, Peter, was the response of Jesus. Feed my sheep. In John 14, 15, Jesus says to his disciples, If you love me, keep my commandments. This is exactly what Jesus was saying to Peter. 
What was the commandment of Jesus to Peter here? Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Fulfill your call, Peter. Walk in the calling that you are ordained to walk in. Fulfill the commandments that I have commanded you. Love as I have loved. For if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, it didn't really matter. Do you, do you understand this, church? Jesus was not looking for Peter to respond correctly with his words. If, if there was a test here for Peter, I believe Peter passed the test. Because Peter could not respond the way he wanted to respond. See, Peter had already done that once before the crucifixion of Jesus. Peter said exactly what was in his heart. He just didn't realize that that really was not within him. He didn't want to deny Jesus, but it was not within him to not deny Jesus. He was a failed man. He was infallible. He was weak. He was frail. In spite of all of his good intentions, his nature got the best of him. And though he knew what he wanted to do, he, know that, he knew that he didn't want to deny Jesus. His nature overcame his good intentions. And he failed because he was fallen. Now, Peter is showing that he has learned something about himself. And Jesus, point blank, face to face, do you love me with an unfailing love, Peter? You told me you did before my crucifixion. You stood up there and said before God and everybody how much you love me, how you'd never leave me, how you'd never deny me. Peter, do you love me with an unfailing love and commitment? And Peter's response was, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. But you know that I can't tell you that I love you with an unfailing love because I've already shown you, Lord, that I don't. Feed my sheep, Peter. Peter, do you love me with an unfailing love and commitment? Lord, you know that I have great affection for you, but you know, God, that I cannot confess that because I have already proven, my, proven myself unfaithful in my love to you. I've denied you, Jesus, and I promised I wouldn't. Tend my sheep, Peter. Peter, do you have great affection for me? See, that's when it went to Peter's heart. That's when it cut to his heart. Because what that revealed was that Jesus knew exactly where Peter was. And it wasn't where Peter wanted. Peter wanted to be able to have an unfailing love for Jesus. He just, he just honestly couldn't do it. He didn't trust himself anymore. More. He was fearful that he would say one thing and do another. So he would not say what he wanted to say. He had to speak the truth. I have great affection for you, Jesus, but I cannot say that my love for you is unfailing because I feel like a failure. I have failed you. But in spite of that, and in spite of Jesus recognizing that Peter could not love in the same way that he was loved. Jesus says, Peter, 
feed my sheep. Peter, my call on your life has not changed. What I spoke over you has not changed. What was revealed to you by my Father in heaven, what I declared to you that upon this rock I will build my church, and you are a part of that rock, and this church will be built. Peter, you must feed my sheep. You must tend my sheep. I know, Peter, that you cannot love me with the same love that I love you. Church, do you know that God knows tonight that you cannot love Him in the natural in a, in a natural sense, in the same way that he loves you. That's why the scripture says, he, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. The only way I can love God is because God loves me. The only way that I can return love to God is because God has poured his love into me. And the proof of Peter's love was not in his words. It wasn't in using the right word for love. The proof of his love was, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. The proof of his love was in his obedience. This is why Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Because our words... Our words mean nothing. Our words are not the proof of our, our, our love. That, that's not the test of our love. The test of true love is obedience. See, it didn't matter to Jesus that Peter denied him. Jesus knew he would deny him. What mattered all along was, was ultimately what Peter was going to do. And Peter did ultimately exactly what God had intended him to do. And Peter came to realize that he didn't do that because Peter was a great man, because of Peter's great love and Peter's great commitment. Peter came to understand that he was able to do that because of God's great grace upon his life. It was the love of God empowering him that enabled him to feed the sheep of Jesus and to tend the flock. Verse 18, Jesus makes the statement to Peter. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, feeding sheep and tending sheep, even if they are people, is one thing. But do you see what Jesus has just done here? He's not just told Peter, feed my sheep shepherd my flock, build my church. He's just told Peter exactly what's going to happen to him. Peter understands clearly what's, what Jesus is saying here. He says, Peter, you're going to be crucified one day. They're going to stretch out your hand just like they stretched out mine. They're going to carry you to a place you do not wish. It's going to be a death you don't want to die. 
in a place you don't want to go to, in a way you don't want to have to to experience it, but that's what's going to happen to you. Follow me. Here's the call to obedience again. Jesus just told Peter what's going to happen to him at the end of his earthly life. But in spite of that, it is still a call of obedience. It's not about what you wish, Peter. It's about what I wish. They will stretch out your hands. They will take you to a place you don't want to be. Are you willing to follow me even if it's to a place you don't want to go? Are you willing to trust me even if it means you going somewhere and experiencing something that you do not wish? Lord, you know I have great affection for you. I know you have great affection for me, Peter, but are you willing to follow me? I know you have great affection for me, Peter. I know you love me, but, but will you feed my sheep? Will you tend my flock? Will you lay down your life, Peter, and allow it to be lost utterly? Everything you've known, everything you were, gone. It's gone, Peter. It's swallowed up in the cross. You told me one time, three and a half years ago, we've left all, Lord, and to follow you, we've forsaken all, and we're following you. Well, now, Peter, I'm asking you, will you follow me? Because, see, it's easy, church, for us to say we're going to forsake all, but, but when it gets right down to it, Peter understood exactly what Jesus was saying here. Follow me. See, our love for the Lord is is not in our words. It's in our obedience. And we can't obey God. We don't obey God trying to prove our love. Obedience is a fruit of love. See, we can try to walk in obedience as a work of the flesh, and it won't get us anywhere. That's what Peter tried to do the night Jesus was crucified. And it didn't work out really very good for him. Now Peter is here and he understands his flesh is weak. And he's fearful to answer the way he wants to answer. But he knows he can't do it because it's not true. But Jesus seems to be undaunted by his inability to express the kind of love that Jesus seems to be demanding. Do you you hear what I'm saying, church? Have you ever been in a situation and you're talking to someone and you sense that they want you to say something, but you just can't say it? I'm telling you what, it's not even that Jesus wanted Peter to say it. That wasn't it at all. Jesus knew Peter couldn't say it. Matter of fact, I believe Jesus didn't want Peter to say it. Because had Peter said, I agape you, Lord, Jesus would have known it was a lie. He told Jesus the truth. And Jesus revealed to Peter that Jesus knew all along right where Peter was. And it didn't change the calling that was on Peter's life. It didn't change the love that Jesus had for Peter. See, Peter came to understand that that the love Jesus had for him was not conditional upon Peter's love for Jesus. Do you know a lot of people live like that? 
There are a lot of, of, of people, non-believers, there are a lot of people who are believers who live their lives thinking that God's love for them is conditional upon their love for Him. And that is so far from the truth. Nowhere does the Scripture communicate that. Nowhere in the life of Jesus did Jesus communicate that. Jesus communicated just the opposite. In spite of our inability to love God, God loved us anyways. In spite of our inability to to live up to the standard that God has set, God still loves us. In spite of our repeated failure after failure after failure and denial after denial after denial, whether it's spoken out loud or whether it's thought in our mind, in spite of that, God still loves us. Why? Because He agapes us. Because He is the author of that love. We can only hope for it. We can only imagine it. But it's a reality for Him. But now here comes the gospel. Here comes the good news. See, for Peter, it was still something that was out of his reach. But in just a few short days, in less than a month, it would no longer be out of Peter's reach. Because God would pour out His Spirit And that spirit being poured into this vessel of clay means not that Jeff or you or any man can, but the Spirit of God in you can now love through you in a way that you could never love before. And that love is not something you work up. It is a fruit of the life and the spirit that is on the inside of you. How was Peter able to follow Jesus even to his death? Literally. See, we talk about death, but it's usually figuratively. For Peter, it was his literal death. How was he able to follow him? It was by the grace of God. It was by the love that God would pour into him through his spirit. And Peter would never have to say, Lord, I agape you. Peter's life would convey it through his obedience to the gospel. And so church... Our life must convey our love for God, not in our words, but in our obedience to the gospel. And your obedience to the gospel is not something you can do in your human power. Your obedience to the gospel comes by and through the grace of God, the power of God the ability of God within you. And God has put that grace, that power, that ability in your life so that your life would glorify the Father. Amen. And so Peter followed Jesus. 
And as Jesus, I believe what happened is Jesus said, follow me, and Jesus took off. And Peter took off after him. He he wasn't going to be left behind this time. He was not going to watch Jesus from a distance any longer. He followed him. Where you go, Lord, that's where I'm going to go. Well, Peter, I went to a cross, and so you're going to go to a cross. Peter didn't comment here. He just accepted it, and he followed Jesus. How do we know? It says Peter turning around. He saw John. He says, what about this man? Where was he? He was following Jesus. Jesus says, don't worry about him. Follow me. Do you love these more than you love me? What is it that we love more? See, we have a luxury that Peter didn't have. Peter was in between the cross and the outpouring of the Spirit. We are on the other side of the cross and we have experienced the outpouring of the Spirit. But the same question applies today. What is it that we love more than Jesus. If Jesus said, do you love these more than me, what would be our answer? What would be our answer? But here's what we've got to come to, church. We've got to come to a place where we realize that our ability to love God has everything to do with Him and nothing to do with us except our willingness to surrender, to submit. And it's through surrender and it's through submission that we are able to obey. And that obedience is the sign of our love. More importantly, it is the sign of His love in us. Amen? Come on up, worship team, and let's, uh, let's worship the Lord. Then we're going to Pray for anyone that needs prayer, and we're going to take communion together.